0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first 3 orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You know, it felt like the people who were the abolitionists that that stood side by side with Harriet that supported right. the underground. Right. They I would say they were for their time the most radical. They launched attack after attack after right. attack on the institution of slavery. I associate it almost with the, the bodhisattva archetypes.
1: Yeah. And the bodhisattva trains in this, this attitude, this belief that everyone needs to be free. They're getting free as they're helping to get others free.
0: Welcome to the Spirit Underground podcast with Dharma teachers, Springwasham, and Lama Rod Owens. These conversations will include topics on black liberation theology, healing with plant-based medicine, indigenous wisdom, Buddhist-based meditation practices, and reconnecting to our ancestral knowledge. Together we will explore what freedom means individually, collectively, and spiritually. If you would like to support the Spirit Underground podcast, please visit the Be Here now slash donate. This is Spring Washam.
1: And this is Lama Rod.
0: Lama Rod Owens and Spring and the Spirit <laughs> Underground. Yeah. So this is a little awkward. It's our first ever episode. <laughs>
1: And so I think, you know, let's start with why we're doing it. Like, what what is this show and why we're doing it? Why are we doing it?
0: Yeah, why are we doing it? Do you want to start?
1: Yeah. Well, you asked me to do it, and so... <laughs> <laughs> I was clear about I, that. I couldn't do it without clear. you. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't have an idea about doing a show like this until you you came to me and said okay i have this idea we're going to do it you know um but beyond that you know i just think that you know this reality of the spirit underground is so important for us i think we've been chosen you know or we signed up somehow <laughs> to to do this work of a of really exposing people to this, you know, this network, right? This network which mirrors and reflects the actual Underground Railroad in this, you know, in this life, um, in reality, you know, and how it reflects into the unseen world, into the spirit world, how the unseen world, the spirit world, is still working, right? Um, to, to get us free, Right. In the same way, many of us are still working within the material realm um, to get free. So I want us to talk about that and to explore that more um, in this podcast.
0: Absolutely. I think this is really what makes our show unique and our perspectives unique Mm -hmm. is that we're going to be talking about these themes that maybe not everyone is thinking about or have even language to articulate. Yeah. I think this is what interested me is that, um, you know, with our backgrounds, which we can Mm -hmm. definitely talk a little bit about. uh, Lama Rad and I are both authors Mm -hmm. and Buddhist teachers and Mm -hmm. also shamanic practitioners Mm -hmm. and uh, public figures. Mm -hmm. And I think what's so interesting is that we're these public figures, but we also are very, what we would call ourselves a spiritual abolitionist. Right. And that's a big theme of our show. Yeah. Um, so, but you do you want to say more about mm-hmm. your background, Rod, mm-hmm. and your influences and mm-hmm. um, yeah, a little bit more to share with folks.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I grew up in the South, right? In North Georgia, which is um, historically Cherokee land. Um, and, you know, kind of growing up in a Southern black community, you know, church was very central, you know, but even more particular, like the black church, the experience of the black church was something that was so deeply ingrained in me, right? You know, and the black church being this community where we remembered our history and remember that you know, we were still trying to get free, right? You know, that we had been introduced into this, you know, culture, this land as enslaved people, you know, and we were still working to reclaim our humanity from, you know, an anti-Black white supremacist system, which was constantly, you know, um, disrupting, you know, the embodiment of our humanity or just our humanity in general, right? And so, like, I just kind of was raised in that, you know? And on top of that, like, I loved, you know, the, the literature, you know, um, of, of Black liberation, you know, kind of growing up. And my father was, you know, a big part of that, as well as my mom. My mother is a, a minister, or as we say in the South, she's a, she's a preacher, <laughs>
0: you know? You're a preacher's son.
1: <laughs> I'm, a preacher's, I'm, a, I'm a preacher's son. Um, and, and that was formative for me, mm. you know, to, to be the son or a child of a spiritual leader, you know, of a clergy person, right? And so I was getting that, that religious, spiritual part of um, Black liberation, my mother and then my father who's you know this like you know an intellectual i don't know if he would describe himself as intellectual but he's a you know he's a phd (laughs) right but (laughs) even at the young age like i remember at 12 i was reading um w.e.b du bois and um booker t washington you know up from slavery and the souls of black folks right you know, I was like twelve years old, <laughs> you know, and then after that, I was getting into Malcolm X, you know, um, and other like you know black liberation thinkers and writers, um, and so I was just really at that at that age, and you know, my early early adolescence, really like thinking about this and asking myself, okay, how am I going to get involved in the work of black liberation? Right, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's the South, and too, there's something about the South that's just like rooted in me, you know, and I think it's a lot to do with ancestry, you know. Um, I again, as I was saying, I grew up um, on Cherokee land, I actually grew up very close, I did actually in the same city where Cherokee folks owned slaves during slavery, mm-hmm. right, and one of the sites. Um, One of the the last um, sites of Cherokee land that was ceded to the government, you know, in the 1800s. So that was the city I grew up in, the town that I grew up in. So indigenous history was very alive. And the pain and the trauma, you know, of indigenous history, which was culminated into the Trail of Tears, you know. Um, So I, I grew up with that deep awareness that I was living on land You know, that, you know, Cherokee folks were forced off of and land that my ancestors worked as slaves, you know, partially owned by Cherokee folks. So it was a very complicated history, right, growing up with. But that complexity is something that I've really embraced. You know, I don't think anything is just black and white. I think there's a deep complexity and nuance to everything, including Black liberation work, and including everything that we have access to to get free.
0: Yeah, that's those are powerful influences. I mean, just being nine years old and reading mm-hmm. W. E. Boys enough, and Malcolm X mm-hmm. a, a couple <laughs> years later, and then being in this place energetically where you know this brutality happened, and you know, I think this is what. This suffering is what shapes us. You know, you mm-hmm. grew up in Rome, Georgia. I grew up yeah. in California mm-hmm. with this kind of um, hippie mother who <laughs> who was against Christianity yeah. and was <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, raised this kind of. You know, we were vagabonds. I think right. we moved around and caravaned around, and and it was like I I was influenced by that. You know, yeah. seeing the suffering and also. Those early years of, you know, hearing about my father who was African-American and my mother's white. Right. And him um, being gone and Mm -hmm. um, being exposed to a lot of different spiritual ideas. And so I always think about myself as returning more over the Mm -hmm. last few years to my black Mm -hmm. roots. Right. Like it was severed. I kind of feel like it was severed. And now here we are. Mm You know, after now we've gone on to practice Buddhism yeah. and, and and do all these other things. But there is a kind of returning, happening, a deeper investigation about the Black church. There's a right. powerful draw back to the South for a lot right. of folks. Oh, yeah. Back to the land. Mm-hmm. Um, But our influences are always with us, right? Yeah, Here absolutely. we are, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting, too, because... You know, we're black coming from slightly different experiences of blackness, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's Buddhism, right? You know, so we we collided with Buddhism, which complicated things more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Complicated (laughs) our blackness. Yeah, it's like, where does this come in? This is from Asia.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was like black, black, like I'm, you know, in the diaspora. <laughs> and I think Southern black culture really dominates the, the African diaspora, right? To some resentment for folks <laughs> living in different parts of the diaspora. Um, but there's a, you know, there's a way in which blackness was defined and contextualized, you know, where we were raised, you know, with this idea that like this is blackness. Like, if you don't share these experiences, you know, then we question, you Mm -hmm. know, your blackness, right? Mm -hmm. And then you go and convert to Buddhism, you know, and you get really suspect, you know, where it's like, oh, are you really black?
0: Exactly. So let's talk about this collision. Yes, I definitely have many (laughs) identities. identity crises of yeah. sitting in these communities meditating mm-hmm. and going where am i where are my right. people is this right. you know am i lost yeah. you know knowing that the dharma is so powerful but also feeling a part of me is i've lost something along the way mm-hmm. that you can't really name and i think a lot of people are like that when they go they feel this connection to their their history, their ancestors, and their land, but they're exploring outside of the church, right. different philosophies, spirituality, different practices. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, you had a collision course with Buddhism, and right. I did too, because there's something mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And I think part of our, our show, our podcast this time, is to share what is valuable there.
1: Yeah.
0: What can we take, and what can we adopt, and what can mm-hmm. we... Um, integrate
1: here yeah. right well you know I, I do believe that part of black liberation is actually having the agency to decide how we want to be free right I mean I think that's an essential part of freedom itself is agency to choose right you know and for me I know I got to kind of this wall in terms of liberation Right. You know, I was really, really interested in social liberation, but I just didn't get how Christianity framed ultimate liberation. You know, Mm. there was something that was too simple about dying and going to heaven. (laughs) You know, like all, you know, all (laughs) I had to do was be a good person and go to heaven, you know, and frankly, that wasn't interesting to me. It just, Mm. it was just so simple and i intuitively felt that the universe didn't do simple for some reason you know and so when i started coming into contact with buddhism buddhism which was actually through friends right you know just developing relationships with people who were Buddhist, people my age people who were radical and you know involved in you know activism and seeing how they embody the practice like i just felt like, they were doing something that was really complex and something that, that I felt um, really spoke more to how I felt about the ultimate experience, right? And I was excited by that, really, you know? And I was excited about how Dharma talked about the mind, you know, and the body and how it was so practical, You know, Mm -hmm. I have this term that I use, practical dharma, right? You know, that I'm writing about actually in my next book, you know, where it was just like, oh, this is like a step by step, step, methodical approach to not just social liberation, but into this mental, emotional liberation, which is where my battle front lines were. You know, it was my mind that I was so lost in. I was lost in the depression and the despair and the hopelessness and the anger, you know, and the trauma, right? You know, and I was like, I need a medicine to, to take me deep into this, right? And Dharma was that first medicine that took me there.
0: Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the beautiful things that we can share on this podcast are the practices that were so helpful to us Mm -hmm. to work with our minds. And I do think that's where, um, you know, Christianity, the map isn't so clear. Mm -hmm. It's like we can go to church on Sunday, but then on Monday, what happens when we're lost in despair again? How Mm -hmm. do we dig ourselves out of that? How does meditation and awareness and all these different uh, methods to help ourselves, where do they really fit, and mm-hmm. how do we do them without losing ourselves? Yeah. you know our connections to who we are you know mm-hmm. our our where we were born our mm-hmm. our families, our church mm-hmm. I think that that's a big peace as we move out not to lose that thread as we adopt different practices right. because we're going to be sharing on this show a lot of practices yeah. some people will love them and go this is great other right. people might be scared of them <laughs> yeah. and go wait what yeah. are they talking about magic and mm-hmm. and plant medicine mm-hmm. and ceremonies mm-hmm. and spirits um but what we're yeah. what we're talking about is sort of like an advanced practice of liberation yeah. We're talking about using it all here. Exactly.
1: You know, but, you know, how do you work with the question of assimilation? You know, because I think that's something that's really big for a lot of people coming into these different traditions of practice. Like, how do we stay authentic, you know, and really work with um, these practices in a way that is authentic?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: How have you done that?
0: Well, you know what I think it is, is like we're creating something new. We're blending, you know, the best of both worlds. We're translating terminology. We are, you know, so, you know, like for ourselves you know if we do a ceremony where traditionally there's certain music mm-hmm. where we're we're singing gospel songs so right. there's this kind of adaptation happening right all the time where we're making it relevant mm-hmm. we're translating things into how we can understand them and that seems very classic like you know the right. 84000 dharma doors like we're creating mm-hmm. one for ourselves in our yeah. communities mm-hmm. um so in a lot of ways, um, yeah, and this and this goes to the question of, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about around this question of adaptation is, what is your definition of mm-hmm. um, Black liberation theology? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- what would you say if somebody said, give me your understanding mm-hmm. of how that fits right now in this time, Black mm-hmm. liberation theology? Yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is how God has been implicit in the liberation of black people, you know, or our belief and faith in God and Christ have been a part of how we've understood freedom and experienced freedom. Right? You know, that's first and foremost. Um and of course, Dr. James Cohn, you know, who we consider to be really one of, you, know, our elders in the study and, and thinking of black liberation theology, who was a professor at Union Theological Seminary, um, who passed you know, he passed right before I got a chance to actually hear. You know, him talk, you know, but he wrote, you know, several books, again, one of them being Black Liberation Theology, where he was really kind of touching into um, Black liberation movements, civil rights, Black power movement, and then beginning to think about liberation theology from the, the historical perspective, Of Black folks, particularly from the historical perspective of slavery and anti-slavery abolition, and what Black liberation struggle actually means in terms of disrupting, you know, more of a white supremacist um, treatment uh, of of Christianity. You know, Um, but of course, liberation theology is rooted within the Exodus. You know, so the the freeing of the Jewish, Jewish people, the children of Israel from the Egyptian Empire, you mm-hmm. know, and um, into, you know, through the Red Sea, parting the Red Sea, you know, into the forty years of wandering until they were able to settle into the Promised Land, you know, that is like for me the strongest root of liberation theology, and then of course the ministry of of, of Jesus of Christ himself as another foundation for liberation theology but liberation theology in general meaning that god is on the side of the most oppressed like god is trying to get us free you know and from a black liberation perspective you know we're saying that god is going to work things out for us right (laughs) in the same way he he freed the children of israel right god is going to send our moses you know, um, to free us, right? To take us through the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea into our experience of liberation. And I think that's still something in process. Like we've been freed from slavery, but we have to be freed from mental slavery, You know.
0: Exactly. It's like we're let we're let loose. Right. We're not free.
1: Right. Right. (laughs) You know. We're let
0: loose. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And this
1: is why Buddhism excited me and continues to excite me, is that the ways in which it has helped me to experience more and more mental liberation and emotional liberation over, you know, the twenty plus years I've been practicing right you know Absolutely. so it's complimented deeply my commitment to liberation theology and specifically black liberation theology it's it's, it's a it's a compliment you know mm-hmm. yeah god is on the side of the oppressed right you know in the same way and dharma particularly liberation dharma or radical dharma you know as well is that yeah like ultimately we're already free you know, we're like just we're remembering already, it. We're just remembering, right? So we're going to get there as long as we continue doing the work of remembering who we are.
0: And that's what I love about the simplicity of that. It's like yeah. we're already awake. We're already there. We just forgot. Yeah. And we this process of remembering, though it's a long one. It seems like you gotta, you gotta work on that. You know, you gotta, that mm-hmm. we are so sleepy, Yeah. right? We keep forgetting even mm-hmm. five minutes after we hear some brilliant statement, we forgot it already. What did they say? What, exactly. what was that again? Exactly. And I think one of the mm-hmm. things that came to me recently when I was sharing with you um, offline was that yeah. I had a dinner party the other night at my house with some really beautiful um, mm-hmm. African-American scholars and we were talking about this forgetfulness and how trauma. Right. If, if you talk to people who have had traumatic childhoods, they don't remember them. Whole yep. areas blacked out. And we were talking about that, you know, in, in relationship to this new movie about the woman king mm-hmm. and, and how there's a scene where she forgets. She intentionally right. wants to forget the trauma, but then you forget your magic, yeah. Right? You you can't just forget one thing. A blackout is a blackout, and so it feels like what I'm excited to be talking about on this show is this movement of remembering in mass, mass consciousness. Like where our ancestors are helping us remember. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're helping each other remember, and um, as we work through this trauma. Right. It all becomes apparent. It's all there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like these tangles in the mind obst- obstructing the truth, which is so in relationship with um, the Buddhist philosophy is that, right. you know, we're Buddhas. We forgot and we're yeah. in the process of revealing ourselves to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But there's something exciting about this feels like it's happening um, mm-hmm. in the black community. You know, rather it's on the films, depicting right. it, Um yeah. But what are your thoughts on that? It just seems like we've got to remember our magic and we've got to remember it now. Mm-hmm. And I do believe Harriet Tubman is back to say, you have to remember this mm-hmm. now. I'm here to help you remember. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what do, you, what do you think about this? Um, yeah, Mass remembering, waking up, something big feels like it's happening. Yes, I, think,
1: I think, yeah, definitely there's been a huge shift you know, and I think that huge shift has come from really the age that we've transi- transitioned into. You know, I think that, like, we're in this new age of, you know, returning back to who we were. But to get back to who we were, we have to allow these systems that were created to distract us to kind of fall apart, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's painful, you know, absolutely, that's painful. And I think in the pain, there's a lot of folks waking up and saying, you know what? There's got to be a different choice here. There's got to be a different thing for me to do than just endure this pain. Like, how can I start dreaming into this new reality, this new world or culture or community that's actually based upon values of freedom and liberation? And love and compassion, instead of these values of commodification and restriction and contraction, you know, and, and compartmentalism and power, you know. Um, and I think we're beginning to see the these kinds of awakening consciousness um, in art, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the ways in which people are thinking differently and more critically, and then offering that that work back to us to help to instigate our own awakening and dreaming, you know, as well. Um, I think you know, the movement for Black Lives is, you know, is a part of that, absolutely. You know, but I think it has to go further. You know, for me, what I am working towards and dreaming about is this kind of indigeneity, like a returning to mm. a kind of indigenous embodiment, right? Where we're connected to the phenomenal world, that we're connected to the land and the unseen world. Like we're living in community with what I call this ecology, you know, of all these beings and different subcommunities. that we have this kind of deep sensitivity to how we fit in right and we're not trying to dominate but we're trying to live with and ally with the phenomenal world right and i think that's so much of the violence that has emerged for us over these many centuries of of civilization is that like we have reverted to this this practice of dominating the phenomenal world and dominating others right and i think that dominating comes from the ways in which we have been unwilling to take care of and tend to our own deep hurt right you know the ways in which we don't trust impermanence and change you know and we choose to force things instead of allowing and being in allyship with and innovating and dancing with and being fluid with things as they're changing
0: Absolutely. I really love that vision. And I think that is what we're doing. People are in the land and the earth is such a huge reminder of that letting go. It teaches us that. So this kind of return to this, like the tribe, right? This tribal living, this way of living in exchange and generosity Mm -hmm. and uh, reciprocity. Right. Right. We don't just take from Mother Earth. We, right. We're we in harmony. And this is a new paradigm for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's in a rising, it's rising. Because also with this liberation, you know, this new version of this liberation theology comes to earth being like, hey, I'm involved in this liberation too. Yeah, <laughs> yes. There's nothing left out, you know. Yeah. As we want to be liberated, the ocean wants to be liberated, the birds, the trees, the forest. And so there's something that really involves this um, wider lens, right? That it's like our personal process. And then the collective includes everything in our reality and all of the magic. And I think that this is where we, we want to share more on this um, with this podcast is this unseen world. Like mm-hmm. we are multidimensional mm-hmm. beings living in a vast universe. And we're more than just this human body yeah. uh, and, and this name and this identity and, you know, and our traumas yeah. and our pain. Yeah. It's so much bigger what's yeah. going on here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's important to to understand identity within this context of liberation and freedom that we're not who we have pretended to be or we're not necessarily the roles that we've chosen for ourselves or the roles that society has forced us into that we're actually much more expansive than being queer or Black you know, or you know, rich or poor, whatever, right? You know, we're more than these identities. And we have to come to a place where we're like, yeah, and who who am I beyond the rigidity of I of these identity locations?
0: Absolutely. And this is people very frightened, right? Mm-hmm. The holding mm-hmm. on to identity, I think, is the one thing that limits us in our liberation journey. If we hold on mm-hmm. too tight, um, we can't see the vastness of the stars. We exactly. just, it's almost like we're just in a, looking just at the ground. You know, reminds me of our attention is just turned more inward. And so, so let's talk a little bit about these other terms. As you know, this is our first show and we're, we're really defining and sharing and talking about these topics that we want to present. And one that comes up a lot is the spiritual abolitionism. And, you know, I just wrote this book about Harriet Tubman and was so much of it was about this movement in the Mm -hmm. 1830s, you know, Mm -hmm. this scene of these young, fiery abolitionists, you know, and they were just going to burn down the house of slavery built, you know, they were like, that's it. And, And here we are talking about this years, years, years later. And we're sort of defining it in, in new ways all the time, the term. So what, what are your thoughts about this term and how are we using it now? What does this mean to say mm-hmm. I'm a spiritual abolitionist?
1: Mm-hmm. What did you discover from your work and research about this?
0: You know, it felt like the people who were the abolitionists that, that stood side by side with Harriet, that supported the underground. Right they I would say they were, for their time, the most radical. Yeah. They were willing what they had to face in order to um, do their work, helping others get free was right. serious. Right. you know they were willing to die for this, and so when I think about the abolitionists, they were willing to um, go to jail, many lost everything, they lost their lives, and so there's for me. When I think of those early abolitionists, I think of just people who had this incredible courage, yeah. right? And they stood firm. I mean, they launched attack after attack after right. attack on the institution of slavery. Right. And... um and You know you see remnants of that now mm-hmm. and and it's evolving right, right. and and right. some people use that term, but others are not at all familiar with that terminology, or mm-hmm. it might feel like a very old fashioned word right um, but I associate it almost with the the Bodhisattva archetypes yeah. I associate it with people who are willing to die for their cause yeah. um, and willing to risk their lives in order to help others
1: yeah. and the bodhisattva you know, is, you know, the spiritual saint is the saint in in Buddhism, right? You know, who trains in this this attitude, this belief that everyone needs to be free, you know. And they take that personally, like they're getting free, right, as they're helping to get others free, you know, as well. Um, And I think, you know, I think it's, it's you know, you're right. I think there's this kind of reemergence of the term abolitionist. And I think there, I think it's unfortunately being kind of diluted. You know, I think as it's always,
0: like, as always <laughs> right?
1: It's like, you know, it's cool to be an abolitionist, but what we understand from anti-slavery abolition, which is where we're grounded in, you know, if you weren't willing to die, then you weren't an abolitionist, you know, because everyone involved in abolition work, you know, their lives were constantly in danger, you know, and if people found out, even for those who were secretly working, like even if they found out there were such intense consequences, you know, and like we have to return back to that energy. It's, it's like either it's freedom or death. Right, Right. as Harriet would say, it's like (laughs) I have a choice to two things. I'm going to get one of them, (laughs) right? In this life,
0: absolutely.
1: You know, and how do we cultivate that intense intention, right? To understand that this is about getting free or, or death. Like this isn't just about taking on another. Identity and saying, oh, this is cool. I'm I'm an abolitionist. And and then you don't do anything, right? You know, Mm. except wear the shirts and post on, you know, social media, you know, and say the right things. And this work is more than that, right? Like this is a deep realization that there's a complexity here happening. There's a depth of delusion that we're trying to break through and that we're tired. You know, as Fannie Lou Hamer would say, you have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? And we have to get to that point in order to start doing real liberation work, right? Um, and for me, you know, it's been this deep work of of working through trauma. You know, I knew that trauma was really keeping me from doing real work, you know, in terms of, you know, being an abolitionist right you know mm-hmm. but working through the trauma and saying you know what this is a i you know there has to be something else than this you know like i need to be free you know because i can't take this bondage anymore and once you develop that attitude, that real authentic attitude, it's going to change you. It's going to change everything. People, it will change your relationships to people. I ended up in a three-year retreat. <laughs>
0: <Right>? <laughs> like,
1: you know, it, it has really shaped my whole life. Like, everything is about getting free. Right? You know, and from the outside, it may look really subtle. You know, like, well, mm-hmm. what's Rod really doing? But like, Internally, I'm really like working this out in a Mm -hmm. real direct way. Like I'm working out delusion. I'm working out love. I'm working out compassion. I'm getting clear, you know, about things. I'm able to see things much more directly now. And I'm able to make choices that are much more aligned with liberation, not just for myself, but for the collective, right? Because abolition is about the collective, right? It begins with ourselves as individuals because, you know what, I can't get other people free until I understand freedom for myself you know of course that's another issue is that there are people working you know as you know as abolitionists and they're actually not really that free they're actually intentionally taking advantage of people you know and I think we've seen that really, really often you know particularly in you know the movement for black lives you've seen a lot of activists come to a kind of like um, I don't know what do you call it a kind of like notoriety, you know or fame,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and then we say okay what what they what what are they really committed to because it mm-hmm. just seems like they're doing this to be known, not to really get people free, you know,
0: yeah, absolutely, and i think I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you've got to find this power in yourself to get free. Like if we look at Harriet Tubman's life, she didn't just sit around and think about, wow, it'd be nice if someone came over here and helped me out. And she was like, I'm willing to walk 100 miles, 120 miles. I'm willing to die for this. I'm willing to go back. There was a, there's a kind of effort involved in freedom. And I think that's something we really, really need to emphasize here as both of us have lived these spiritual lives. You've done, three-year retreats and have been trained as a llama Mm -hmm. and I spent years doing retreats all to work Mm -hmm. out these tangles, you know, it's like, why do I'm let loose, but I'm still in jail. And that's a frustrating feeling. I'm let loose, but I'm still in jail Mm -hmm. and these prisons in our minds that are Mm -hmm. the houses that trauma built our ancestral traumas, Mm -hmm. what happened to our families I think it's important that, you know, one of the the pieces that we're going to focus on is that mm-hmm. you can get free from this. There's That's a way. path, but you got to work. It's like yeah. RuPaul, you better work, right. honey. Right. You got to work for this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and every day there has to be that and no one can really save us but ourselves. Yeah. We could get help. From the unseen world, mm. tremendous help. Yeah. But they're going to be inspired by our devotion to this yeah. work first. Oh, yeah. you're helping yourself. Great. Here, I'm going to blow this. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna blow wind in your sails. You know, mm. I'm going to help you. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna be with you. But there, there does has to be this kind of almost a ferocity with yeah. it, wouldn't you say? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Kind of
0: fight, like. I'm going to no. wake up and I'm going to get these shackles off.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it reminds me of what we used to say um, growing up is that if um, Jesus paid it all, then why am I still paying? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah. You yeah. know,
1: and because what Jesus did was collective
0: mm. work.
1: Like he was like, you know, really like purifying this collective trauma. You know, of that age through the way that he offered his body um, as an offering, a sacrifice. And of course, that's a very high level kind of, of practice to offer one's body in a way that you won't resent the offering. That you're offering your body, your life out of a deep embodiment of compassion. Like you are Oh my rounded. gosh, we definitely Even. have to
0: have a show around that topic, <laughs> like around what Jesus really, the collective liberation yeah. and
1: yeah.
0: this offering, what you're saying, yeah, yeah. it's a pure, radical purification. Yeah,
1: you um, know, and but, you know, and then we still, but we, Jesus was an example. I think part of what the crucifixion means in terms of liberation theology is that it was an example of of what we may be called to do to get free, but it was also an example of how someone chose to do this collective labor of like really touching into this collective trauma and doing what they could to purify some of that through offering their body. Right. And, but we have the rest of the work to do. And then you pointed it out really clearly is that, you know, we, we have to do the work like Jesus or the Buddha or anyone, they just can't, Take on the workforce and do it for us, and all of a sudden we're free, right? I think that may be the most disappointing part of it, you know. But for, for it's me, it's sad. Maybe,
0: we hope it, yeah. we hope for that. We it's kind yeah. of like being saved. We hope, okay, <laughs> now it's just the easy path now, right? Yeah. And it's not,
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I tell you, like when I came into Dharma. The idea that I could do work to get free was also really intriguing and exciting because I didn't have to, like, give away my agency to another being, a God, you know, and Mm -hmm. hope that they would get me free. Like, I was being given the practices and told, like, if you do this, you will get free. And that's been absolutely the case because, you know, I have come a very long way you know, um, from where I started, right? As we used to sing <laughs> in, in, church, in church, right? I've come a very long way. I'm not where I used to be, you know? And I thank God that I'm not where I used to be, you know? And I'm not where I used to be because of this profound practice of liberation, right? The social liberation work, which I trained in for the first part of my life, right? That was the foundation. And then when I came into Dharma, Dharma gave me the mental, emotional, no know, practices, you know, for the liberation of the mind. And bringing both of those together has created this profound experience where I'm able to be in the world and able to be in the depth of this, you know, period of apocalypse and still be okay. You know, yes. like, I'm okay. Yes. And I know people listening to this saying, well, it sounds like you should be more than okay, but you don't really know how much I've had to do to be okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what it takes, exactly. Yeah. I celebrate exactly. being
1: okay. My God, like mm. this is like the most. Like this is, I I never thought I would be okay. Right, you know. Well, you're
0: not the only one who thinks like that. Most yeah. people wake up every day and think, "Am I going to be okay?" Yeah, that's a thought many people have every day. Yeah. Am I going to make it through this day? Am yeah. I going to be okay? How am yeah. I? And um, what do I do? Yeah.
1: And even even if I have th- doubts about making it through the day, I'm still okay because, like, I'm more than this body, and that's right. that's the that's part of why I'm okay because I realize that I'm more than this form that I'm relating to. I'm actually much more expansive and fluid, you know, than this. And that 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 helps me to really be in the world and say, you know. Whatever happens, happens. Whatever comes, comes.
0: Yeah, you do have a lot of equanimity, knowing you. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like this redwood tree, rooted, and this yeah. is kind of unmovable with whatever yeah. seems to arise. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um. I, I I appreciate that about your spirit. Well, thank you. I yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I love these conversations so yes. much. And these are the conversations, you know, it's our first show, mm-hmm. Rod, you know, mm-hmm. and we we have so much um, that we want to share on each episode about the real, getting into the real practices, getting into the theology, the mindset, mm-hmm. and how to help people um, do this work of liberation for people who are like, okay, give me a map. Give me the how to's. We want to be offering these practices that have helped us. And also one of the things that we'll be talking that makes, I think our show particularly unique being that we have all these intersections is the world of plant medicine, which, um, you know, I've been a part of um, going down to the jungle since 2007. Right. And um, Rad and I became really close on mm-hmm. one of my 14-day retreats in Peru. Mm-hmm. And we started working with plant medicine to accelerate our healing process. like. Right. These huge tangles of trauma. We gotta, yeah. we have to move now. Yeah. You know, we're we're yeah. needed. Yeah. Um, and what could take years to unravel can be done in a safe. Right. I'm not gonna say easy, Rod. I'm gonna say <laughs> quick, but not easy. Exactly. You know, that there's yeah. a difference here, everybody. Some people think plant medicine, oh give me the easy pill. Well. You know, there's two paths. One could take a long time around the mountain, but you're going at a certain pace. And one, you have to scale straight up and use all your strength. It's a shortcut, but not an easy cut, you know, so just to know that. Um, But this is also one of the topics that we want to bring Um, in is the whole world of plant medicine into this liberation conversation. How do we even adopt this as we're doing our spiritual abolitionism and we're using plant-based medicine to wake up, to get free, mm-hmm. to be strong, to walk with our head held high, mm-hmm. to open yeah. our hearts, and to live and be okay?
1: Yeah. yeah. And to, and to, to live, uh, you know, I, I think about the song of Happy Day. Mm. You know, which is one of my favorite songs, as you know, yep. to live rejoicing, you know, joyfully, and for me, joyfully like into and, and for me rejoicing and and being joyful is really just rooted in gratitude. Like, how can I live gratefully? Like, I just yes. that's that's my goal. Like, that's what I am working to deepen every day is to live gratefully and in that gratefulness to to experience joy. You know, to experience this kind of deep connection to the world. Like, I, I want to live in the world where, like, I just have this incredible agency and potential, right? You know, and no matter yes. what happens at this point in my practice in life, no matter what happens, like it, it, like tomorrow we may be living in a totalitarian regime. Well, we may <laughs> already be living in, in, yeah, in one.
0: some form. <laughs> you know, like
1: I, you know, I, you know, I may wake up in the morning with all of my rights taken uh-huh. away. You know, which is more and more a reality these days. Like, regardless of what happens, I still at, I have at this point everything I need to get free. I've been given everything now. And that is, I mean, that's what I rejoice in. Like, I, over the past 20 years of practice, I have accumulated everything that I need to continue. Like, I don't have to go to any more teachings. I don't have to, like, <laughs> read any more books because I'm, like, situated within my experience, right? I know how to to rest in my mind, mm-hmm. you know? And I want all of us to get to that place, right? And I think... You know, there are so many modalities, including plant medicine, you know, ayahuasca, right, that can take us there. Mm-hmm. Like, really quickly, if we're willing to go there, you know, if we're, if we're willing to hold the speed of it, you know, and to, to hold the weight. Like, this is a weightedness here. <laughs> yes. Right? And there's a courage. Like, you know, you have to have the courage, not just to do plant medicine, but you have to have the courage to step onto a path. And onto a spiritual path like dharma, right? in Buddhism, like you have to have the courage because it's going to take you there, but it'll take you there if you're ready to go there and if you want to go there. Like you can't, freedom has to be consensual. Like I have to consent to getting free. I just can't go around saying, oh, you know, I'm going to get free. I have to mean it. You know, when we start meaning freedom, it means that we're going to have to go through the trauma, right? And we have to move through this. And it feels like sometimes that you're just being ripped apart. you are energetically, you know, you like, you energetically in a right? right. We're like, we're,
0: everything we've believed is upside yeah. down, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it, there is, a, there is a, a fear that people have of losing it, you know? Mm-hmm. But the it isn't really anything worth hanging on to. Yeah. It's some version of ourselves, but Yeah. Yeah. And how do we do mm -hmm. that? You know, walk this path. How do we influence and encourage and offer what has worked for us? You're right, Rod. We have everything (laughs) in our toolkits. Hallelujah. I feel like really I'm giving everything. You're right. Books, practices, medicines, teachers, you know, at this stage, everybody, and a lot of other people are given everything they need to right? right so at this point it's a choice yeah. we have everything we need and for anyone listening remember that to yeah. get free and um and we just have to be willing to utilize all of the gifts that we are given yeah yeah
1: because that you know what practice turns into is like a snowball effect like you just build up this momentum and you can't help mm. but you know, get free. You know, um, you know. In in writing my book, you know, I'm talking a lot about freedom, abolitionist, spiritual, you know, spiritual abolition, and so forth. You know, but what we need to get free, and once we start really engaging in these tools like compassion and love and joy, it becomes irresistible. Like you get to a point where like freedom is just irresistible. You can't fight it anymore. You know it. It's, it's we become charmed, you know, like a snake, like a, how a snake is charmed. We become <laughs> charmed by liberation and we want to get there, you know. And we
0: crave it. We don't yeah. want, and we know when it's fake. Yeah. yeah. We know when it's not exactly, you know. we know, you know just kind yeah. of the realness of it or yeah. we can taste it.
1: Yeah. Just like we used to sing growing up in church, you know, woke up with my mind and stayed on freedom You know, and stayed on Jesus and, you know, and everything. Like, I want to, you want to get to a place where you're just like, your mind is just directed into liberation, you know.
0: Yes. And I think of like, when I think about that, I think of Dr. King and the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. I mean, they woke up for... With their mind on freedom mm-hmm. every day <laughs> right. until those, it right. changed. Right. There was a non-compromising movement there. Yeah. There was a one way. We are moving toward this and yeah. and that's Harriet too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and that's something powerful in igniting that and yeah. knowing that our ancestors are saying, hey, this is possible. Set your yeah. mind to yeah. this. Now it's all, it feels mental, right? Yeah. It's the battle of consciousness now. Yeah.
1: And and these these great leaders, you know, like, you know, uh, Dr. King and Malcolm X and, you know, Harriet H. Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Frederick Douglass, I, mean, I can go on and on, Audre Lloyd, I think, you know, and, and so forth, Bell Hooks, <laughs> you know, yes, like, yes. I just think that these folks loved Black people. Mm. And I don't think... <sighs> It just it feels like a lot of our leaders in the black community. I don't. I don't know if I want to say a lot, but I feel like not all
0: mm-hmm. of our great change
1: leaders in the black community love black people.
0: Oh, I think that's so profound what yeah. you're saying because you know, as um, so as my book is coming out in January, "The Spirit of Harriet Tubman: Awakening from the Underground," which Rad wrote a beautiful foreword to. One of the things that she wanted, and the book is channeled for the listeners. You have to get a copy for yourself to understand the story. Um, One of the biggest things over and over that she wanted me to highlight was how much she loved everyone. And how much her spirit, even though she looked ferocious all the time, you know, she looked like, ooh, panther, ready Mm -hmm. to, you know, bite. That was a wrathful form. But her heart was just this overwhelming love for the people. And I think, yes, you know, and you felt that from Dr. King too, you know, that Mm -hmm. he loved these, you know, when he was in Birmingham and he loved the people of Birmingham. Like we are going to get there. I'm going to have to carry you on my back. We're getting (laughs) there. Right. Because I love you. And, and I guess, um, you know, that's a beautiful place to maybe start to close out our first episode Mm -hmm. and how we can transition into the next one is like about this love like yes this has to be rooted in loving ourselves and our people and loving freedom itself Mm -hmm. you know and and authentically right authentically and you know how just I want to make a a point because I you know have rediscovered Martin Luther King and maybe we can Mm -hmm. spend a whole episode on his birthday coming up Mm-hmm. In January, or something like uh, having our own conversation about it. But when he won the Nobel Peace Prize and he won all this money, he immediately gave it to the Christian Leadership Conference. Right. He never kept any of it. They stayed mm-hmm. exactly where they were. It wasn't even a thought. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, the movement needs this. So this money isn't even for me, it's for them anyway. Mm-hmm. So there is something about that, that purity, and, and, and we're all learning too, so I'm not judging people right. for where they are and what they're trying to do. Neither one of us are.
1: Right, exactly. But this
0: higher love, right, has mm-hmm. to be at the, the heart, has to be really activated here and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and leading the way with this, right? That's the mm-hmm. spiritual abolitionist part, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah,
1: that, yeah, the love, the love itself, like that. Yeah, mm. exactly. Like we have to lead with the love, and to love black people doesn't mean you hate white people.
0: Exactly, you know? and that's exactly, know,
1: and that's how this is how black love gets manipulated and mm. and flipped around to say that like to be pro black is to be anti white. Just no, to be. To, to love Black folks is to, to remember that, like, I don't know, that we're, we're part of something that has been degraded mm. for centuries, right? So yeah. our love of Black people is a restoration, right? Which isn't pushing anyone away. It's just an acknowledgement that there are ways in which white supremacy has diminished, our lives and our understanding of who we are, and we're trying to restore that, right? But Mm -hmm. in the restoration of love for ourselves and community, it means that, like, that restoration actually becomes a mirror for white folks reflecting back the ways in which they're expressing anti Blackness, you know, and how anti Blackness is a critical part of maintaining whiteness and white supremacy. White supremacy, right, as a structure of power and dominance, but white supremacy also as an identity location or whiteness mm. as an identity location. And that's painful, you know. So when you hear us talking about Black love, you know, if you're white identified, you will feel that discomfort. You may feel that discomfort, right? I'm not going to make that assumption for everyone. You will, but you may feel a discomfort that's actually the ways in which you know your dependency on anti-blackness is actually being challenged, right? Unconsciously, maybe, right?
0: Yeah. And so we you
1: have to interrogate that, as we used to say, grow, You know, as I used we used to say growing up in my you know, you know, activist community, we have to interrogate all of this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: interrogate these. We do it right now. We need to interrogate all lies that we have been yeah. programmed to mm-hmm. believe our truth. And that is something right. interrogating ourselves and where our discomfort is. Yeah. yeah black lives matter does yeah. not mean white lives don't matter. Right. Nobody said that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's just saying, um, it's just something different and I, I love that. And, we, and I think that we can teach this higher evolution of this because I do believe that if we follow in the footsteps of some of the most mm-hmm. powerful movement leaders, right. they were rooted in this. They weren't, right. they weren't confused mm-hmm. about this piece, this love mm-hmm. piece. They right. had that clarity, and yeah. I think that's where we we can we can restore our power, and, and we can create a a bigger movement, um, and and move this liberation, right. uh, this path. You know, open the gates, move it forward, clear the road. Mm-hmm. You know, as we're doing this work of clearing, I feel like you and I sometimes, yeah, when we're in absolutely. our shamanic selves or <laughs> right. opening gates and moving yeah. obstacles and yeah. aligning things. Um, yeah. So I'm so happy about our first podcast. Hope it's juicy. Yay. These are conversations on liberation. Yes. I love it. Conversation. <laughs> yeah. And we will be getting into so much more. This is our first in our series here. First kickoff uh, podcast, which really is just framing all of the conversations that we'd like to have, we also will be having many one-on-one conversations, mm-hmm. but, um, and sometime we hope to invite really beautiful guests to join us in these conversations, to share more about the theology, the practices, yeah. mm-hmm. the medicine and the ways exactly. to rise up freedom. Yes. So juicy. I love it okay everybody and that'll be us and spirit underground signing off for the moment
1: yeah. be <laughs> thank well. you so much yeah.
0: yeah thank you so much rod
1: thank you spring hurting each other we gotta turn
0: it all around.